0: Six foot six above sea level I grab my mic because I like to take it to another mental level Low no power frequency, radio modulation The big sound from underground We bring the truth to places truth is never heard before We bring the sound
1: communication about it. Hello, and welcome to WORT's Noontime Community Conversation on Community Radio. It's a public affair. I'm Bert Zipperer, substituting for the regular host here on Thursdays, Ellen Ruff. Ellen will be back next week. Today we have a two-part show, so we invite you to call in with your questions early uh, at 608-256-2001. We've got two excellent halves to this show, and let's talk about the first half. Uh, The second half will be on water rights in Wisconsin. The first half, um, we're going to have a discussion about tomorrow, the 11th day of the 11th month, which was originally known as Armistice Day in the U.S., or Remembrance Day elsewhere, celebrating, honoring noting the end of world war one, the U S resolution that created that holiday said it was to be a day dedicated to the cause of world peace and to be thereafter celebrated vets for peace calls for us to always remember the original intention of armistice day, which was not renamed veterans day until the 1950s. Our guests today are Britain Calix of about face Britain. Welcome to WRT's public
2: affair. Thank you so much, Bert. It's Thank great you. to be here.
1: It's great to have you. And and Larry Orr of Vets for Peace. Larry, welcome.
2: Well, thanks, Bert. Glad to be here. So
1: um, talk about the difference between Armistice Day and Veterans Day.
3: <laughs> uh,
1: yes. Well, it, it, it
3: shows a difference in emphasis, doesn't it? Yes. Armistice Day, as you said, is um, a, was a day dedicated to peace, mourning the dead, thinking ahead to the future, trying to make it a peaceful world. But, you know, in the 1950s, during the Red Fair, during McCarthyism, uh, just after the end of our conflict in Korea, um, the wording was changed, the rules were changed, Mm -hmm. and it was no longer called Armistice Day. It became Veterans Day, honoring all veterans. And the emphasis changed from... uh, mourning the dead and thinking of peace, promoting peace. It changed really to militarism, honoring warriors, honoring war. And uh, I think that's a real sad change, and it says something about us. Exactly. And it certainly colors the way we think today. Exactly. Our celebrations today involve gunfire, flyovers of military airplanes loaded with rockets, etc. It's just not the same thing.
1: Originally, it was ringing of bells at the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month. Yeah, that's
2: right. And a lot of the bells have been used to manufacture weapons during the war. So very few remained. Yeah.
1: That's a good point. Britton, talk talk about that a little bit.
2: Oh, yeah. It's just um, I've been to some events uh, that honor Armistice Day uh, in its actual intention versus Veterans Day. And that is part of the tradition and history of that as well. And it's just um you know it's just such a different experience um i think both in like everyday civilian culture mm-hmm. uh within the united states but also as a veteran um that you know instead of remembrances like that um what war is like what is sacrificed for war um and what we all sacrifice in ourselves in the aims of military conquest, um, or victory, whatever victory looks like. Right. Um, instead, like now I experience it as, Oh, I'm told to get maybe a reduced price meal or maybe a free entree somewhere. And then, uh, my experience, my unique experience as a veteran, Uh, is kind of like just thrown aside of like, well, we had your day. Um, But I have multiple feelings about that, too. Anyway.
1: Well, I I was struck by the Vets for Peace resolution that uh, created this uh, project to reclaim Armistice Day. And that goes back most of 20 years. And the resolution highlights the fact that 90% of victims of wars are now civilians. And by honoring only veterans, the public is distracted from the awful price paid by those other than military members.
3: The right, you are. Yeah. That uh, that was a resolution brought to our national uh, by the uh, Twin Cities chapter in Minnesota of Veterans for Peace, and it was adopted unanimously. Ninety um, percent civilians. I mean, think of this. The victims of war, not just the combatants, and by the way, more or less half of the combatants didn't want to be there on the other side, just like we didn't want to be there on this side. Exactly. Uh, The draftees, geez. Uh, But the victims are largely innocent people, people whose only crime is they were at home. Yeah, how's that for a crime? Being at home. And then things happened all over. Yeah. Um, Our veterans are paying uh, great prices for the things that we all did. And the bigger prices paid by the families of the veterans and the people who suffered in the... War torn places of the world and are still suffering today.
1: So, Britain, you were talking about the the costs of war. Do you want to talk about that a little bit more?
2: Yeah. um, Actually, like, uh, you know, a resource I encourage people to look into as well. um, Actually, out of Brown University, uh, there is a project called the Costs of War Project. Um, So, if you Google that, Costs of War Project, Brown University, um, it'll bring up a whole host of information uh, on some of the honestly conservative statistics of uh, the cost of war, both in human life, environmental destruction, uh, the price tag and its effects on uh, both the economy and social services and uh, other things. Um, But just a small bit of that is um, I really relate also and value what larry said there too that like it's not that yes like um when i say that it feels as time veterans are thrown away on in service of how we honor like what is now called veterans day i want to i want people to take that with a big grain of salt because what I actually experience as a veteran is a whole lot of military exceptionalism within the United States, but it doesn't actually benefit veterans or our common people and broader communities. It seems to act as a blank check um, and a shield in itself against the further military expansion and industrialization that happens and the profitability of war um, for a few and some very special organizations, right? Right. Um, but yeah, I, I recommend, uh, going to that cost of war project, um, cause it's just stunning, uh, kind of looking at that in hard numbers. So
1: Jade will, I'm sure check out, check that out and, and post it with the, with this show on, on our archives. Um, yeah. I'd like to, we have callers, you know, Britain and Larry, we have a caller. Welcome to WORT. Janet, welcome.
0: Thank you, Bert. Wow. Great. guess. Thank you for this conversation. I'm a war abolition activist. I'm calling in with a question about what people can do, but I also want to give some details about what we have offering, uh, what we're offering tomorrow. Um,
1: what, so we're why don't you start with capt- tomorrow?
0: Yeah, yeah. So tomorrow, as you're as you're talking about, it, it's it's Armistice Day. We're reclaiming it, c- uh, coming behind Vets for Peace, um, and and supporting that call to reclaim the day. Um, for peace and um, we need an armistice now. We need peace negotiations and ceasefire in Ukraine and we need an end to other wars Um, and uh, so uh, as war abolition activists we're going to be getting together tomorrow at 1 o'clock at the Capitol at the InfoDesk at the Capitol and we'll be doing a war abolition walk with an extra sort of fun element. We're going to have a fun indoor part and then we're also going to go deliver letters to mark pokan and to tammy baldwin to call on them um to call on the administration uh for negotiations um to end the war in ukraine so that's what we got on tap tomorrow
1: so that's one o'clock tomorrow in the Capitol rotunda meet there is that right
0: Exactly. One o'clock, uh, Capitol Rotunda at the info desk. And then we'll walk from there um, to Pokan's office <clears throat> a block away and Baldwin's office across the street. Thank you. Um, to take our message um, of war abolition um, and armistice.
1: Exactly. Thank you, Janet. Britain and Larry, what else can people do? What, what are some important I've oh. on, on your Vets for Peace website, there are a lot of things happening across the country, so I throw it to you. <laughs>
3: That's right. Um, the local chapter, um, we do public awareness things on, on Armistice Day. Our big events are generally at Memorial Day. Uh, we do the Memorial Mile, all of those markers representing tombstones along Atwood Avenue. Exactly. We take up the entire park. Uh, we ran out of tombstones. There are just so many casualties. And again, only military. We do a Memorial Day service. But on Armistice Day itself, it's a personal day. We do our personal observances, uh, but we also spread the word. This is an example. Sometimes we do the access hour and we do other efforts as well. So
1: exactly. Britton, any suggestions?
2: Yeah. Um, I, I will, I'm definitely grateful that Larry is talking about, um, you know the reclamation of armistice day and that there's a local action as well tomorrow that janet mentioned i guess what i have to offer is something like uh that i hope people take into their every day as well um uh i'm also i'm a member of veterans for peace i'm also a member of about face veterans against the war which is a group of post 9 11 era uh anti-war veterans and Uh, One of our campaigns is also drop the mic or drop the military industrial complex. And I think one of the most uh, meaningful ways that we can actually support veterans um, and just our communities, talking about like oftentimes the defense of war um, and and the defense of veterans uh, fighting in wars is, in the sake of well what about national security and stuff like that but what is national security when we don't have um when we're not in right relationship with the land um when uh we actually don't have a society where we have access to food clothing shelter education healthcare, um and so i would ask people that People start with dropping the military industrial complex by being more curious about what it is to support veterans uh, or what veteran experiences might be because it's not often wrapped up in a uniform or the latest war um, and being silent on that. I would say dissent is the highest form of honor for what um, veterans do and, and offer and also honoring the very real sacrifice that not only those of us in the United States go through, but also those impacted by the history of colonization and imperialism within the United States.
1: Thank you for all that. That's well said. Could you talk about yeah. about FACE briefly in, uh, in that organization, Britton?
2: Of course. Yeah. Yeah. So about FACE is an organization that uh, it used to be called Iraq Veterans Against the War. Um, and then we went through a name change to About Face Veterans Against the War Um, uh, because we are by definition a group of post 9-11 era veterans and um, the ongoing endless war, uh, quote unquote war on terror um, though I don't know how you can have a war on terror um, Exactly It it is ongoing and is fought in many many fronts Um, There's currently like quote-unquote, counterterror activities happening in over 85 countries uh, that the U.S. is actively involved in. Um, We already have, you know, the 101st uh, Airborne uh, Division in um, Ukraine, but also primarily the U.S. is also uh, engaged in things like AFRICOM and other, uh, other campaigns. And so we're a group of people who have kind of that recent experience and gather together uh, around specifically dropping the mic um, looking both at the intersections of uh, how militarism props up colonialism, uh, how it uh, further divides us in support of capitalism, uh, and also how that profit-mongering aspect of work keeps it propelled forward um, and us all really hurting in the face of that.
1: Exactly. We
2: have a caller,
1: and I'd like to invite you to call 608-256-2001 and join the conversation with Britton Kalix and Larry Orr talking about reclaiming Armistice Day. And right now I want to I want to welcome Tracy to W R T. Welcome, Tracy.
4: Um, thank you. Um wow, what a program. I love it. I'm really I'm enjoying listening and I'm learning a lot. I'm a Vietnam era veteran. And used to participate with vets for P- vets Vietnam vets against the war at the Capitol on um, Armistice Day or Veterans Day. However, I guess my question is, um, how do we get involved with getting the um, change in the name? And are these local actions that need to take place or is there a federal bill that should be um, introduced or what are your goals and what are next steps to um, have that occur? Because um, having been a veteran um, and in the military, obviously, I am appalled not only by the amount of money that is spent on the military industrial complex but also within the military the unimaginable waste that happens of money in terms of the um, buildings we put up the, the war materials that we have and we walk away from those and and also the destruction of um, and obviously, um, as a Vietnam veteran, I was acutely aware of the million-and-a-half Vietnamese that died at our hands. And anyway, so I will stop my question and listen to um, the guests
2: for their response.
1: Tracy, thank you so much. Britton, Larry, your, your response.
2: I'm curious where Larry is. I'm not as closely <laughs> involved in the Armistice Day Reclamation.
1: So, Larry, what, what's your thoughts?
3: Well, it, there are several parts to that comment. Thank you, Tracy. Thanks so much. Um, well, first of all, um, I don't know of any bills that are introduced at the moment to change the name back. And I would encourage letters to editors, letters to uh, representatives in Washington, um, maybe uh, work on... Uh, Uh, referenda here in in Wisconsin and around Uh, so that's one thing I I wanted to say too about the costs you mentioned the costs yeah Um, according to Women Against Military Madness now there's a name for you also out of the Twin Cities in 2019 the United States uh, was number one in the world for military spending uh, 716 billion dollars think of what that money could have done to address the other things that that Britain brought up our lack of uh, our, our, our lack of what it takes to live a good life here in the United States and of course around the world uh, the United States military budget is larger than the next nine military budgets combined it's three times as large as China who comes in second, uh, just think what that money could do. So write the letters, get with peace groups locally, um, join some vigils, think about uh, joining in um, uh, the World Beyond War activities. If I'm right, and I think Janet didn't mention this, but I think that they march every Friday.
1: uh, It's pretty much you're right, yeah.
3: Yeah, so th- those are just thoughts off the top of my head. Um, yeah, and and just always keep in mind, peace works better than war.
1: Exactly. Hey, we we want to invite you to call in with your questions and comments at 608-256-2001. Join Britain Calix and Larry Orr talking about um, bringing back Armistice Day, the, the focus on peace and not the military. I just want to jump in here real quickly. I was really impressed by Vets for Peace tying in climate change to this action. On their website, they note that Armistice Day this year coincides with world leaders convening in Egypt for the 27th UN Climate Change Conference, COP27. And then it goes on to say, not only is the U.S. military the largest single institutional emitter of greenhouse gases, the U.S. military has long been deployed in wars for oil, natural gas, and other resources. The U.S. military is a key player in the climate crisis and the U.S. cannot meaningfully address the ongoing climate crisis without ending its ongoing addiction to war and militarism. Your thoughts?
2: Oh, Amen. gosh, yeah. I am... I, um, right away, I think about that this is not at all new. It's not just since the oil wars uh, that this has been the story of the U.S. military. Um, you know, no... My own thoughts too around like a name change and things like that are are not as like, that's not where my focus is. Um, I I know like the whole month of May is also like holiday after holiday in support of militarism, Uh, and then November as well. And it feels like a particular whammy too in terms of colonization um, and also environmental destruction in in November. We already have a colonial holiday at the end of our month. but then also um, just thinking about the ways the U.S. military has been used uh, first in the name of Manifest Destiny, which um, not only uh, resulted in mass genocide, but also um, the near extinction of so many species and the extinction of some species, degradation of landscapes. And yeah, today it's just like If we want to get serious about climate change, if we wanna get serious about environmental justice issues like the impacts of F-35s and where helicopters and where jets fly, they don't fly over mansions. They don't fly over well-to-do neighborhoods. Uh, They they fly over those most impacted and uh, the poor, the marginalized, uh, specifically black, indigenous and other BIPOC communities. so it's a definite uh, issue that I think, like we cannot get real about addressing those issues until we let go of our military exceptional exceptionalism, and actually ask ourselves what's more important here.
1: Thank you. We have a caller on the line. Um, we'd like to welcome you to W O R T. Hello,
2: is
5: that me?
1: Yes, that is you. Welcome.
5: Oh, hi, hi. I'm Stefania. Hi, Stefania. Great, great talk. Thank you very much. But I wanted to respond to, um, to Larry's. Larry's mentioned that we do, I'm part of the group that does this work. well. And Larry mentioned that we do that almost every, um, every Friday. And thank you for mentioning that, Larry. I wanted to tell people that if they want to find information about that weekly, they can check uh, Safe Skies Clean Water uh, WisconsinWI.org, um, and they can find information there uh, if we are doing a walk or not that week. <clears throat> and so if they have any questions, they can reach us at, at PeaceWalksMedicine at gmail.com.
1: So that's PeaceWalksMedicine at gmail and com dot com and And safe skies clean water wisconsin is
5: yeah they they do publish um our 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 events
1: great anything else stefania
5: no that was it thank you very much to all three of you for doing this
1: well two of them are doing it and i'm just standing here Ah, admiring them so
5: you are yes yes so it's you and i admiring them (laughs) yes
1: stefania thank (laughs) thank you so much for calling
5: thank you for for doing this bye bye everybody
1: bye bye bye, britain larry take it away
3: well i i guess my last words are just well thank you to stefania and folks if you do get involved uh i was involved in peace vigils every monday at noon uh down by Monona Terrace uh, and the uh, city county building. And I must say, it felt so good. If you get involved with something like this, Friday marches, tomorrow's activities, um, uh, Friday's activities at the Capitol, uh, just I think it's tomorrow's activities at the Capitol, but mm-hmm. you are going to feel so good about what you're doing. It will warm your heart and it will give you optimism. And so with that, I'll just say onwards, peace and love folks. It can happen.
2: Britain. Yeah, no, Um. I, I think. I have, I just hope people connect uh, locally to the struggles around them. So much of the discourse I hear too around F-35s and you know just the expansion of the military budget and things like that is a lot of defeatism and it's understandable it can be really disheartening Um, but the thing is when we disrupt um, this narrative this shield that um, this state system puts in front of us to not criticize war to not think twice about how our money is spent or our impact on the very real lives um, and equally valuable lives of those in other countries as well. Um, the more we resist against that, both locally in relationship with our neighbors, with our legislatures and on the streets, that does have an impact and it, it shifts what we envision and what feels possible. Thank you so much, Bert.
1: Exactly. Well, you know, it's interesting, as you were saying that, it occurred to me that World War One was also... The witness to a huge, massive peace movement to try to keep us out of that insanity a- and reclaiming that heritage of of um, of rationality and peace lovingness. Um, there's so much. I'm, I'm just. I'm loving having you two on. I, I wish we could have the whole hour, and we'll we'll have you both back on again. I'm hoping. Um, so we've got about. Two and a half minutes left before we switch gears here. Um Britton and Larry, tell us your your thoughts. What what haven't we covered? I mean there's a lot, but you know,
3: uh well I would like to just say um take some time everybody at eleven o'clock tomorrow on Armistice Day. Pause, be quiet, think about think about peace.
1: Exactly. Britain. Yeah. we're not hearing you britain Somehow you got muted
2: <laughs> i did thank <laughs> you um yeah no i'm honestly really excited for this conversation to expand into water mm-hmm. um and i guess that's what i'd like to end on and is that this is an interconnected struggle yes um you know behind me in my room i have a piece of artwork with a, a raven depicted breaking up a drone and it says trans liberation not u.s invasion no pride in war um, and the thing is, all these struggles are interconnected. You know, how we truly honor, um, you know, LGBTQ plus people, uh, colonized people, how we honor water and our environment. Um, this is not a single issue. And because this is so much larger, larger than just war, the military budget or your reputation as supporting veterans versus not. The thing is, we support veterans. We support our communities, right? Um, but this is larger. So I think it's beautiful that this is also expanding into talking about water.
1: Exactly. And we invite you to stay stay on, Britton and, and Larry, um, for the second half hour. Um, and, and we want to highlight that tomorrow at, a, at 1 p.m. in the Capitol Rotunda at the information desk, people will gather for a war abolition walk, they will be walking to Representative Pocan and Senator Baldwin's offices to send them a message, which they do regularly. Um, one little little piece I just want to throw out. With Armistice Day, there used to be a parade in Manitowoc, and as I was a little guy, Armistice Day is also my grandmother's birthday, and my grandpa would always point out that they threw a parade for grandma every year, and that was really special. So. I've, <laughs> I've I've got that image as a as a kid going wow it's for grandma this is great, um, okay we're gonna switch gears on that note, um, Britton and Larry thank you so much I hope you can stay um, I'm deeply honored and ex- and what a privilege to have you both on and we'll do this again I hope soon thanks
3: thank thanks you. so much for will sure be listening every week as oh, a okay. matter of fact
1: there you go yeah. thank, thank you, you. so Take now we're, now we're gonna go up to Hurley Wisconsin. On the shores of Lake Superior, and talked to Johnson Bridgewater, who is a River Alliance water advocates organizer. Um, there were the the River Alliance of Wisconsin did some referenda. Talk about that, Johnson.
6: You bet. Uh, thanks for having me on. Thanks for um, everything you guys are doing. Yeah, so I'm with River Alliance of Wisconsin because I always forget, I want to shout out right now, a lot of what we will talk about can be referenced on the River Lines website, which is wisconsinrivers.org. And to start with, yeah, we just had a, a round of five counties voting on what we call the Clean Water Now referendum. At this point, excuse me, following November 8th, we now have 10 counties in Wisconsin Uh, that have voted to support this idea, uh, ranging anywhere from 73% yes all the way up to an 86% yes. The gist of this is water quality in Wisconsin is clearly under assault, and there are a lot of people in all 72 counties with unique issues in their area that want their voices to be heard by our electeds. Water is the most important issue that we can focus on.
1: So, so Johnson, I understand the language of the referendum was, should the state of Wisconsin establish a right to clean water to protect human health, the environment, and the diverse cultural and natural heritage of Wisconsin? And that's that's, right. that's been ten. Intend- These counties are not your typical progressive bastions. You're talking about Appleton. You're talking about um, Adams and Juno. You're talking about um, Portage, Marquette County, La Crosse County. Um, this is really impressive. And and these totals are three quarters to 86% of people saying, of course, clean water is important.
6: Yeah. I want to push that because I'll give you a specific example. This has absolutely been a nonpartisan, bipartisan issue in Wisconsin. Uh, if you go and pull data, you can pull a County that clearly, uh, pieces of that County clearly voted for Michael's those same voters turned right around and voted for clean water now. So we, we've we been very uh, adamant about this. This is not left or right. This is not a party issue. This is a human issue. And when you look at the fact that Bayfield, which is as far north as we can go and Green, which is as far south as we can go, both of those counties are responding the same way, should be a wake up call. Again, that this is all about simply trying to get back to what water quality and Wisconsin was built on, right? We exactly. have special water here and nobody can deny that. And we are trying to bring all the tools out of the tool shed, including advisory referenda to address that.
1: So the goals of the River Alliance of Wisconsin, as I saw them, are about local watershed protection, defending streams, rivers, groundwater, water, the sources of our drinking water. And that is a universal... Universal. Now, these referenda are advisory, I understand, um, but they send quite a strong message, don't you think?
6: No, they absolutely do. I mean, people, a couple things people share. You know, this is this is silly. Everybody wants clean water. Nobody's going to vote against it. Well, I'm, I'm sorry to say roughly 20%, uh, you know, of the populace votes against this. So I want to start there. Don't assume that just because this is a good idea, it stands on its own. This has been our point. The more noise, raising the volume on water issues in Wisconsin is absolutely important.
1: What are the other actions going on?
6: You bet. So uh, a couple things that are key to everything that we do at River Alliance, and again, why I pointed, uh, pointed everybody to go visit our website, we work on advocacy, and we're very adamant people often confuse the notion of lobbying with advocacy they are not the same thing they're very different and if anything advocacy trumps lobbying and advocacy is something that river alliance has been dedicated to we're coming into our 30th anniversary next year so for 30 years this has been about reaching at the the local level and one of the reasons i pointed to the website we have what i think is a really great interactive database where you can pick where you are in Wisconsin, and it will point out a local water group that you can get connected to. Because that's what this is all about, is connection across the state, pointing all of that towards our one goal, which is to protect our water resources here in Wisconsin.
1: And what's that website again?
6: You got it. It's (laughs) wisconsinrivers, dot org.
1: wisconsinrivers.org. And you can check out... Your local group, wherever you are in the state of Wisconsin, um, I was just remembering an old uh, editorial cartoon from the, I believe, the eighties or early, early nineties, saying how you know the showed two Republican leaders looking out at the time and and saying the people are getting what we're hearing the people's demands and people are holding signs saying, "I want dirty water," I I don't want health care. You know stuff like which, which just highlights just how ridiculous it is. Of course, nobody wants that. Um, well, not nobody, but a lot of nobodies. Um, <laughs> um so talk about the other actions going on across the state of Wisconsin. You're, you're an advocates' organizer, what's all happening?
6: That's correct. So, I think what's important to understand is you know, first of all, drinking water is obviously at the the most important basis just as terms of human life. And I think it's important for people to understand in Wisconsin, we are unique. We have an incredibly large number of Wisconsinites who have their own wells and they're not protected. They're not covered uh, by the protections of living on a municipal system. And I point that out because this this is something that makes you it makes wisconsin what it is so the ability for people to respond to not just hey i live in a community and I have a municipal system we have this whole other piece because of all our rural areas we have to be responsive to those folks and uh we know for a fact that there are literally tens of thousands of wisconsinites who can't drink their own water so when you ask about what's happening around the state i <laughs> i started with that and i'm sorry but that is the drumbeat that is the most critical but in terms of other issues uh you know we have issues with pfas and this is something that people may be shocked uh, but bayfield county which is one of our referendum counties they just did a pfas analysis up in the ashland bayfield area found elevated pfas there okay so that is a huge again that is a huge statewide issue Um, the issue of mining has come back into the picture again so working to make sure that we are all providing the tools at the local level to help people protect their local water sources in the face of mining and i guess that's what i i would just like to to, to double down on that because i it is why i am so excited to work for river alliance we are absolutely grassroots those five counties that led these referenda that was that wasn't me those were people. Who live and pay taxes in those counties who said, you know what, this is a good idea and I'm going to run with it. And I just think that that's what is unique as well. Wisconsin's water, but our history, think about it. Um, You know, we have the foundation of Earth Day. We have one of, originally, one of the strongest public trust doctrines guaranteeing our access to these precious waters. And it has just been basic issues like that, that we're trying to elevate, but doing it again from the local level and getting out there to those counties, because there are just a whole host and range. No two counties are identical in their water issues, as heartbreaking as that is, but it also means you have to pay attention at the local level, or you're not going to actually be addressing all of the true needs.
1: Exactly. We we invite listeners to call 608-256-2001. Here at WRT and join the conversation with Johnson Bridgewater of the River Alliance of Wisconsin, talking about protecting and restoring the water, the precious groundwater and waters of Wisconsin, as well as the referendum that just happened um, on Tuesday. Um, Johnson, it seems like you're demonstrating the lie that we've been fed for a generation that some of the marketplace will protect everything. And then somehow somebody making a profit off of something would definitely have the long-term best interest of everybody else at heart, which is, of course, a lie.
6: Yeah, and th- th- this, is a central, uh, this is a central area that we hope more and more people will tune into. Basically, what we have been witnessing, it, it has absolutely been a strategy in many states. I worked in states in the South that had an identical strategy in Wisconsin. Private business interests have become the primary concern of our elected officials. That is not democracy. Public good and representing the issues that are going to provide Wisconsinites what they need to not survive, but thrive, that's what you get elected into the position. But what you pointed out is a very sad trend that has been running for about 20 years, which is, people believing that dollars can replace quality of life here to tell you they can't
1: exactly um 608-256-2001 call us and join the conversation um what's going on around the country johnson that perhaps is a model that that we may be moving may, may could move in that direction
6: yeah, it's interesting. So there's a lot in action. And unfortunately, I can't really point to something that I would hold up and say, Hey, this is going to address that. But what I will say, this is a national issue, because as serious as it is to a state like Wisconsin, which is, in my opinion, is is built off that water, the seeded lands, and the tribal history here prove this fact, we have a special place, what is happening nationally. So Uh, You know, we have cases at the Supreme Court that may define the Clean Water Act, right? So what is important, I would say, is that not a model or a solution, but that people start tuning in to maybe some dedicating some time to political peace that they might not have thought about. Like, well, I have enough issues. I can't think about the Supreme Court. But my point is, That often happens. We are so engaged because we have so many issues at the local level. I would just ask people to look up, as you suggested, nationally, because you'll find that you're not alone and you'll find places to build community there as well.
1: It seems like it's all tied together. This whole hour seems connected because uh, Britain, uh, Britain, I'm not sure if you're still with us, but Britain was tying things together. And if, if you are still with us, we'd love to invite you back into the conference. There you are. Um. What are your thoughts on this? Because you were talking about bringing this whole thing together and you highlighted the water.
2: Yeah, I mean, I see it connected, uh, honestly. Um, so I take a particular interest in this too, um, because uh, when I was in the military, I was in Wisconsin Army National Guard. Um, and uh, a lot of people joined that for uh, educational opportunities, stuff like that. I ended up losing those things when I was discharged under Don't Tell. Um, But I ended up still graduating with a degree in conservation and environmental science. Um, And also today, uh, though I work in peer support and not uh, conservation or environmental fields, um, I forage um, and I go out into my local woods um, right by Starkweather Creek and stuff like that. And you know, I think about um, the PFAs that are in the water there, uh, directly connected to the military industrial complex um, and how uh, that same military exceptionalism that I talked about earlier is used as a shield, um, just the way that the economy is used as a shield, the way uh, that was just talked about before. Um, and it's all a myth right um we still know what the effects are um and but this uh this drive for profit uh will override any sense of like mutual honesty um so we do have to find our collective power in the face of that uh if we want to have water to rely on if we want to be able to go into the woods and collect things with our children. I know all of us don't do that. I'm I'm maybe a, a bit weird uh, locally in Madison for that, but that is how I think about it locally and its impact.
1: So Johnson, I see you nodding your head vigorously in support of what Britain's talking about. Uh, I throw it back to you.
6: Yeah, I think uh, you know as as Britain mentioned, we live in this world i assume she she does of activism right and advocacy and trying to bring awareness i don't know if it is a commonly known thing that, that our surface and our groundwater are connected right and this to me is something that i would love to push it seems like a simple idea to some of us who work in this but sadly most people don't understand and i share this because it speaks to the bigger interconnections right nothing happens in isolation, especially not our water and our food systems. They're so intricately connected. And I mentioned this because this is the whole point, right? The Clean Water Now campaign, 120,000 Wisconsinites voted yes. So think about that. That's tens of thousands who are getting it. And we want to keep building on that because again, this this connection between what we eat, what we drink, and whether we're going to have a quality of life, that is a central triumvirate that everybody needs to stop, think about. Ideally, raise some awareness and action around that. Um, and I don't think I mentioned earlier, but we do have some upcoming um, events that I would encourage people to go to our website to get you engaged in this question. Questions.
1: So talk about some of those events.
6: Sure. If, so if we do a series called River Rat Chats, which are really listening. It's, it's our... You know, we set up the logistics in the venue, but it's more about giving people a chance to share their voice, which has been what Clean Water Now is all about, by the way. Um, it's a it's a constitutional process put in there to practice democracy. And I just I mention that because it is funny in the face of what we're looking at that people would possibly say, Ah, eh, voting for that's not important. <laughs> yes, voting is critically important. And as far as the upcoming events, so we have River At chat november 17th where we are going to discuss the results of the elections we're going to discuss what we are imagining we will um, most likely be focusing on in the next legislative session but the biggest piece of this is we're going to hear from participants to tell us what they're experiencing on the ground in wisconsin
1: so that 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 is um, a week from today what time
6: You betcha. So we have it's going to be a virtual event uh, so we can capture hopefully again all the way from Bayfield down to Greene County uh, at we have two sessions on the day, one at noon and one at six, if I recall correctly. So it will be a Zoom event. So people will be able to participate from wherever they are if they can get access to a computer. And if you can't, please know your local library will be happy to help you do that.
1: That's great. And you said there might be some other events? Yes.
6: Yeah, so one of the big pieces uh, that I would like to define is this, I mentioned it briefly earlier, but the idea of what advocacy is. You hear people talking about lobbying, and we've all heard the stories about what lobbying is. And too often, people equate advocacy and lobbying. But lobbying is just a very small piece of advocacy. Advocacy is nothing more than sharing your voice on something that is important to you. It's that simple. It's not about left versus right. It's not about screaming and yelling. It's about getting educated on something that's dear to you and sharing that knowledge. We uh, will be in January, I believe we have two separate events. They're not on the calendar yet, but we'll be hosting at least two different events dedicated to talking about advocacy. And (laughs) because I I just, I, I would, just like to sit here for five minutes and just say that over and over advocacy is the most important thing that people don't understand i'll put it that way Mm -hmm. so that is what will be happening in january is we will be focused at least two events um one of them specific to uh, the amazing volunteers on clean water now but we will be having a general public uh online event dedicated to talking about advocacy and discussing how people can make a difference
1: so it seems to me that advocacy, a, a huge component of advocacy is education.
6: Absolutely it is. And and again, education like other things should never have become partisan. Knowledge is truly is power. It again, it's nonpartisan. And if you go uh just for basics we do have a pretty robust website on the issues there's a long list of them but if you'd like just the basics on things like well what exactly is a pfa and what exactly is a kfo or how does you know how does my surface connect to my land so i would just in you know i would just encourage people to start there as a starting point but we also have Um, Several people on staff who specialize in areas. We are always here. Anybody is welcome to reach out to me to further these discussions. That
1: sounds great. So it seems that education and knowledge is power, which of course is why it's dangerous. Because some people want their way and knowledge can get in the way for for, for their goals i'll give
6: you one very specific and important example of that is this notion of testing so we already know we have these serious water issues So you're talking
1: about testing of, of individual wells
6: sorry yes testing of wells and testing of water quality it's just a really good example you do have people who push back and say well That's a waste of money, you know, in in air quotes. The fact is, that's the knowledge we need. So when you say education and knowledge, I I mention this because it's important. This isn't about facts or um, memorizing the hydrologic cycle. Knowledge is knowing what is your ground, knowing what's in your water, knowing what's in your air. And so I share that as a frame because that's the knowledge that we encourage people to engage in. Don't stop asking for that knowledge.
1: I I grew up in rural Wisconsin and the chemicals that go onto the farm fields, um, especially in areas like Kewanee County and other places, um, really are so critical for people's everyday drinking water.
6: I, I'm glad you brought that up because th- this is what makes another thing that makes Wisconsin both unique and beautiful, but also problematic for water. We have this stunning karst topography in these areas. You just mentioned one of them. What that means is we have places in Wisconsin where the, 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 the earth, so to speak, the, the soil is literally maybe two feet and then it gets into porous rock. And I'm not trying to get into the weeds. The point is what you shared is vital that people understand. We have this amazing geography, geology that has to be understood to make progress on these issues, and that is why we work as broadly as we can in a, in a large spectrum uh, of other organizations and people to make sure that basic concept is understood. We are a unique and beautiful place, and there is a one to one relationship between everything we do under us for what we want to do above us.
1: Excuse me. Exactly. Hey, uh, Johnson, we've got Larry on the line. Larry, welcome back to the BRT.
6: Hey,
1: thanks
3: so much. Are you hearing me okay?
1: Yes, perfect.
3: Okay. Yeah. I just wanted to thank uh, Johnson and and Brittany for making such great points about water, which we all depend on. And it's not just now, it's the future. Um, Time magazine had an article recently saying that by the end of the century, Madison will be on the fringe of the habitable part of the world. And that's largely because of water here. And then it would be even better if we were up by Superior or Duluth. And again, that's largely because of water. So that's something too, the legacy we leave, uh, is largely due to what we're doing today for the good or for the bad. So more power to you, Johnson.
1: Thank you, Larry. That, that, thank you, Larry. And that, that's sort of like the seven generations idea, the idea of what actions we take today will reverberate and and um, cause to benefit or, or harm for generations. Absolutely. So, Johnson, we've got about a minute left, maybe a minute and a half. Um, I'm going to throw it to you. What have I not asked about and what, do we need to highlight here in the last minute?
6: Sure. One of the most common uh, statements that we hear, right, is this is, quote unquote, just an advisory referendum. It's a waste of time. Um, I just like to share, first of all, again, as basic, I feel like we're at a time where we need to remind people the basics. Democracy is meant to be practiced, right? It's not meant to be debated and talked about. It's an action. They put advisory referendum in the constitution to be practiced, and I will just start there because I think often people forget about this. This isn't fringy. This isn't uh, extracurricular. This is part of what Wisconsin was founded on. Um, but just to kind of explain why an advisory referendum isn't just a waste of time, we look at this like building a tapestry, or in the case of a lot of a lot of around me up north, building a quilt right? Each square is just a little bit different. But when you take all those squares and you build a quilt out of it, oh man, it becomes something else entirely. That's what we're trying to do with this effort is to help people understand. Yeah, you got a little bit different of a problem than we do, but holy cow, we fit together and we can work on solutions.
1: That's a beautiful sentiment. Bridgewater or Johnson Bridgewater. I want to thank you for being with us. We're having a head off to BBC News. Also, thanks to Britain, Calix and Larry Orr. Armistice Day. See you in the Capitol Rotunda tomorrow at 1 o'clock. And see you at the River Rat Chat next week. Um, Johnson, thank you so much for being here. Thanks, everybody. And we're on to the rest of the day.